Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Everybody, my name is Brad Caldwell. I'm a brand strategist and multiple-time CEO. I own Spark Business Strategies, a branding and marketing agency in North Carolina. 
Whether you're listening live on Clubhouse or you've caught the Breakfast with Champions podcast that is available for you wherever you download podcasts from, I want to thank you for tuning in right now. For the past few weeks, we've been at war with mediocrity in our business lives. We've talked to founders, entrepreneurs, employees, nine to fivers, job hunters, and a bunch of other folks. But more than anything, I'm trying to convince you to see the mediocrity that you're settling for that we accept and often pay a hefty price for. I do try to leave plenty of time for your thoughts and questions. So think through those as we go. Jot them down, DM me, IM me, message me, email me. I don't care. Do all of it. And we will chat live, permitting we have some time here in just a few moments. Today, if this is the first time you've ever heard me, it's going to be different. It's going to be different because I wrote the title of this talk and this talk itself on Tuesday. And this is not the talk I plan to give. It's the same title, but it became one of those things where I was like, man, this is a good time in life for this to be a lesson. And I've got an itty bitty version of it in front of me. So I'll use that as a microcosm and that's what we'll walk through. And Ooh, my microcosm exploded. And today I'm going to be a lot more personal than I normally am. Now, I try to be as honest as a CEO, a business owner, a husband and a father can be on social audio. I I try to always do that. I try to be, as we say, uh, as authentic as possible. I don't really intend today to get personal about you, but I probably will. So this is a, a bit of a trigger warning to anyone who um, is a parent who has had an unexpected challenging moment with their kids at a relatively serious level. So if that's you, I just want to kind of give you a warning. That's what I'm going to talk about for me today. If I know your story, I promise it's not coming up in this talk. If I don't know your story, I'd love to share it with me anytime you want. Or if you're feeling comfortable at the end of this little conversation I'm about to have with you, because I'm about to get personal about me, man, I've had a horrible week. (laughs) It's weird as an adult, I'm 41. It's weird as an adult to say I've had a horrible week, man, I've had a terrible week. It sounds weird. I don't know. It sounds weird to say I own two businesses and I've had a horrible week. It sounds weird to say I live like four minutes from the Atlantic Ocean. And that's only because of the direction the road goes in. I could walk there in four minutes also. We're really close to the water. I live in a great house. I love what I do for a living. I have wonderful friends. I love my family. Great wife, good kids, really good kids. But I've had a horrible week. I have stumbled this week through launching a new business. I dropped the ball on a client. I missed my chiropractor appointment and I love my chiropractor. I mean, I love my chiropractor, but I really love my chiropractor appointments. I lost tons of focus when I got some, some epically bad news. I forgot my notes at a talk that I was giving. I argued with a business partner. I had to oversee an urgent HOA meeting 
If you're not on an HOA, take a small moment to thank the Lord. And then I spent two days this week, unexpectedly, in a hospital with my oldest child, where we learned that he will be fighting a disease for the rest of his life. When I tell you it's been a hard week, what I mean is it's been rated R. My communication internally about this week has been very rated R. And when Glenn Lundy, the the creator of Breakfast with Champions, the spearhead of what we do here, talks internally to those of us who host, this is not a rated R program. (laughs) And I've told him multiple times, every time he references that we're like, PG-13, maybe PG-14. I always feel like he's saying, Brad, I am talking to you. He's not talking to Dora Maria or Renee or Justin or TM or Amelia. Nope. He's he's talking to Brad. Like, Brad, keep it calm. Keep it PG. PG PG-14, maybe. But certainly not rated R. But it's been a rated R week. But this is a PG-13 setting. So I'll just stick with the synopsis that if suck had levels, my week extra sucked, super sucked. Now my week ended with an HOA resolution and approval. The new business launch went well. My son's doing great. He's an absolute hero. My client loved what we did for them. And I got hundreds of messages hundred like really hundreds like you know when people say like on your birthday on facebook i want to thank everybody for the hundreds of messages it's not my birthday i went on facebook and instagram so did my wife and we posted the new challenge that we're facing that i'll i'll talk to you about in a moment and i still haven't gotten through my text i still haven't gotten through my facebook messages Don't even get me started on Instagram DMs. And I try to respond to those things as immediately as possible. I have messages from people who I'm going to have to find out who they are. I don't have their numbers. I don't know how they got mine. Hundreds. Hundreds. Telling me and my wife and my son simply that they love us, that they care that they stopped their day to ring up, to read a long post from heartbroken parents about their superstar 13 year old. And it, it reminds me, it brings very prescient to me in the moment that it matters what we do in life and in business when mediocrity levels up and becomes very serious. See, sometimes, friends, it sucks. Work, family, communication, travel, monotony, doing something new, doing the same thing over and over again, trusting someone, choosing to do it yourself. There are seasons where the tank just empties. The outcomes underperform. You did it the way you're supposed to do it, and the outputs don't match the incomes. The juice doesn't seem worth the squeeze. Sometimes the juice is not worth 
the squeeze, and when mediocre becomes serious or worse, life stops everything. How do you respond? In the war on mediocrity, how do you lead in the storm? Let's go. First, we own the storm. Sunday evening. Give you guys a great setup to my week because it sounds awesome. I live about an hour and 15 minutes from my mom and dad. We drove down about 45 minutes. They drove up about whatever the other, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes themselves. We met at a wonderful restaurant in between Wilmington, North Carolina and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And we had dinner celebrating my dad's birthday. My dad is 69 years old. He's doing great. He's around. He's a wonderful dad. He is a wonderful grandfather. He just built an addition to my mom and dad's home almost entirely by himself. My dad is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's weird because he has skill sets that I don't even fathom. It was wonderful to sit at a table and laugh and joke. And as I was walking from the, car, from the restaurant to my car with my wife and kids in tow, everybody hugging everybody like we're never going to see each other again because that's what we do every time my family gets together because we thrive on togetherness. And I did the thing you're just not supposed to do, fam. Don't do this on your weekends. I looked at my emails. I saw mistakes that were going to require challenging correction, correcting people and correcting problems. And then I saw some client issues. Their deadlines had jumped up weeks, which meant my deadlines had to jump up weeks, which meant I had to communicate with my team that all these things that we were prepared for, now the month moved. The month, the, the whole month just moved. And April became March. And then I saw a conflict that was clearly about to boil over. And I'm telling you guys, I'm talking about like seven emails, not 170 emails, not hundreds, not dozens, like a handful of emails. Two new meetings that promised to be very tense, one with one company, one with another. And I'm starting a business on Thursday. Y'all remember those of you who are entrepreneurs with starting a business is like, Starting a business is, is kind of like building a machine, building an engine and having all the components there. You ever watch somebody when they're, when they're doing like one of those car rebuilds and they have to rebuild the engine. And so now they're, they're leaning over. If it's an older car, they're, they're pouring gas into the carburetor. They're filling up the tank. They're priming everything that can be primed. And then even in production, the TV show goes like, awkwardly quiet because someone sits behind the wheel to crank the car and it either starts or it does not that's what it's like to start a business we have been working on this for a year and a half planning designing executing we moved it up two months it's a uh, retail it's apparel. 
we moved it up to it's very inappropriate so i'm not going to talk about it on <laughs> on on uh on breakfast with champions shoot me a note i'll send you the link but it just just go ahead brother just just dig in there go ahead, go ahead. golly no glenn yeah go all right ahead. go ahead so it, it's donttellmom.com and <laughs> if you go there i know i'm so sorry i love you glenn um um, if you go there, you're going to see some inappropriate t-shirts, but I want to be super clear. We started this company two months early because a friend of the owners of this company, myself included, found out she has cancer and we've decided that we're giving every penny of the profits to her. So if you buy a t-shirt, the only money she's not making is what it costs to make the t-shirt. So normally if you sell a shirt for a fundraiser, you make three to $5 on a shirt that you sell for like 25 She's tripling that at minimum. Our goal is to sell a thousand shirts so she doesn't pay any medical bills for her cancer treatments, which are going to be about sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000. So if you go there, just ignore the really bad ones. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. Um, but anyway, in the launching of that company, thank you, Glenn. In the launching of that company, in the launching of Don't Tell My Mom, we, we knew so many things were coming and it was time to crank the engine. And I was looking forward to cranking the engine on Thursday. But then I looked at all these emails and I told my wife as we were getting in the car, I am headed for a hard week. And she did what wives are so gifted at doing, what partners are so special at. She asked me what I was gonna do about it. She asked me what my plan was. Here's my first step. Don't ignore the storms. Ignorance to storms means greater discomfort. You ever tried to like wish away the rain? You know what you get? You get wet feet. We have to see the storms in life for what they actually are. While temporary, some are costly. But they can be brief. Sometimes we can run for cover. You're out on the golf course, caught in the rain, you stand under the awning and you wait for it to pass. And sometimes, especially those of us in leadership, whether we're leading in our homes or leading in our businesses, we have to stand in the rain holding the umbrella for someone else and all the things in between. Sometimes there's no cover. Sometimes you are the cover. My week was going to be hard. The storm was going to last all week, whether I was prepared for it or not. I was going to be holding someone else's umbrella for them far more times than I wanted to. But what we cannot do, and I did this one wrong all week, all week, was allow it to distract us. I bared down like it was a 30 minute downpour and I bared down until it got too big. I stopped living and just tried to get through it. You ever just try to get through a week? You know what you don't have when the week is over? Any joy. You missed it trying to get through it. And when we ignore the storm or our roles in the storm, we stop leading where leadership is imperative and we stop communicating where communication is most needed. And I did that this week. I am grateful in my new company that my partners are two of my best friends because they wouldn't let me get off that easy. I am grateful that in Spark, my team has been working with me for so long 
that they covered for me well, very well. I am grateful that in our client selection process that we've had for years, the client I thought was going to be mad on Sunday evening, who changed the deadline by six weeks, got through Friday thrilled and we met all the deadlines. But I can tell you guys super candidly, the successes of both of those businesses, if they have my name on them at all, it's from things we prepared in the past, not what I did this week. Because this week, I tried to get through this week. I didn't lead the way I should have led. I didn't communicate the way I should have communicated. But if you do better than I did this week, and you see the storm and you've adjusted, you might have even seen the forecast. You knew it was coming. So... The second thing, don't ignore the storm, stay the course. Storms are signs of the environment, not failure. Storms create panic. They do. I live on the coast of North Carolina and hurricanes just happen here. Tornadoes in the, in the Midwest and in some of the flyover states, droughts and mudslides and fires on the West Coast epic crazy storms in New England, heat in some places, freezing temperatures in others. Those are things that are a condition of the environment you're in. Here in North Carolina, hurricanes are a certainty. Most of them are nothing to worry about. If you live in another part of the country or another part of the world right now, and you're listening, you're like, yeah, that one storm, and you will name a storm that happened years ago. And I will tell you, we had three last summer that just didn't make the news. But some make you worry about it. But when you worry about a hurricane, I cannot worry about the ocean tide or warm or warm currents coming from Appalachia, but I can see them. I can see the changes, but I cannot spend my time worrying about the changes. Those are the environment around me. What I can do is mind my house. And in this house, we got a system. My wife and I know exactly what we're gonna go outside and grab. We know exactly what's going in the garage, what's allowed to go into the house, because it's not nasty. Which of the kids' toys need to come in and which of them are just too heavy. If they get picked up, Lord have mercy, cars are gonna move. And we know where everything goes when we gotta do disaster preparedness. And then we make sure we're prepared for a power loss. We know where the flashlights are and the batteries and and things that are solar powered and things that are generator powered and things that are battery powered. Even for days of power loss, we have a plan. Or if it's bad enough, we make an evacuation plan. We did that four years ago. We went to the middle of North Carolina to evacuate from Florence, which really devastated huge parts of our community. But being where storms occur isn't failure, that's life. If you're in a storm, self-doubt and blame will get you off course. You right now, in the future or in the past, are in a storm of the environment. And the seasons of storm are terrible times to assess whether or not you should move or whose fault it is. Get through the storm, friend. Because sometimes the storms you're in grow. 1986. I think it's a great movie. 
someone who knows this movie is going to laugh because it's probably not a great movie. The movie Crocodile Dundee came out. Come on, Crocodile Dundee. That's a great movie. It was on TV all the time during my childhood. I don't think I ever have seen a, a DVD or a VHS. I certainly didn't watch it when it came out in theaters because I was five. But at one point, the title character, Crocodile Dundee, is being held up at knife point in New York City. He's with a woman who's immediately alarmed. She knows they're being mugged. And she points out that the bad guy- Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. That has a knife. Dundee is an Australian bushman. He calmly smiles and says, oh, that's not a knife. And then the dude pulls out a 14 inch Bowie knife from behind his back and calmly says, now that's a knife. And the assailants run off. We get held up by moments. We get held up by them. There are moments like me in the parking lot on Sunday where I saw the title of that email and then I read that email and then I saw that text about that email. And then I watched a couple people argue over a group email. And then I saw that I had a new meeting and then another new meeting and then a deadline shifted and I got held up in those moments. And it's understandable, storms aren't great, but sometimes the storms we are facing are not the main storm. And something bigger comes along. And guys, that's what happened to me this week. It did. I wasn't ready. I was bearing down on the week I knew, not the week I was about to have. For the sake of my own ability to get through it, I'm about to read and update from my social media accounts. So if you already follow me, you've read this before. If you do not follow me, that's okay. I get it. I don't follow me either. But you can see this text in my most recent posts on Facebook and Instagram. I remember the first time Parker, my oldest, ever popped up in an ultrasound. He had all the fingers and toes and that good stuff. I immediately checked to see if he didn't have what I was born with. The day I saw that ultrasound, I wanted to see, did I give it to him? What, what I have. My whole life, I've feared being the first in a new family history for as long as I can remember. For those who don't know, this is from weeks, months ago. I have a condition called hydrocephalus. It means I have a plastic tube that connects my brain to my abdominal cavity for the sake of um, releasing brain fluid so that my brain does not drown. It happens very rarely. And most people who have it are debilitated. And obviously I am not. So I'm super fortunate, but it is very scary and has a very high infant death rate, um, like very high. Uh, so I had spent my whole life fearing this was something I could pass on to kids I might have one day. And I have three sons and none of them have hydrocephalus. 
No one in my family does. I was not the first in a new family history. Parker was healthy. And when he grew taller than me, that was just cool. I'm not tall. I'm like maybe 5'8". And when all of the baby weight finally rolled off of him, he loved it. So now he's like 5'10 and lean. And as he ate all of our food and drank gallons of milk and water each week and slept all the time, I smiled at my normal teenager and it turns out he wasn't. Things that I thought were normal teenager activities became symptoms and then more symptoms popped up. And then if I'm getting the timeline right, if you're listening to this live today, Saturday, last Friday, we took him to get some blood work. I won't go all into the details, but he didn't have the big C's and he didn't have a thyroid condition, but they saw some things in there that required more blood work. So on Wednesday, So what's that, four, five days ago, four days ago? More blood work. And then Wednesday evening, I'm out at an event. The one thing I was looking forward to all week, I'm wrapping up a networking event. It's gone great. It's at a really awesome brewery in Wilmington. His blood work came in. My wife's a nurse. She was talking to a nurse practitioner And the short version would be blood sugar, A1C. Let's immediately and emergently get him to the hospital so he doesn't go in shock. More blood work, how the pancreas works, what insulin is, why he's not making any or nearly enough injections, fingerprints for the rest of his life. My 13-year-old learned that he was type 1 diabetic. Of course, his mom is a gifted critical care nurse and has been for a long time. And Parker, my child, is very smart. So we'll get all this down. What's new today will become normal eventually. He will manage this. But at 3 a.m. that first night in the hospital, sleeping on a terrible hospital pullout couch. I woke up to the quiet of his hospital room because he didn't have crazy monitors and he wasn't in the ER. He was in the pediatric wing. It was very dark and very quiet. It was awesome, actually. Super comfortable. Except pullout couches in hospitals were made by people who hate people, right? Anyway. So I'm laying uncomfortably in the silence and in the dark and the very real memory of the first time I ever saw him on that ultrasound came back. And it occurred to me that while I am not the beginning of a new family history, he is. And I'll admit it is heartbreaking. And I have struggled over the last four days. I'll struggle some more, for sure. Parker will have some down days. Some down days will be described as low blood pressure. Some down days will be described as, Dad, I don't want to do this anymore. 
and we will rally every time. But it's been hard times this week. His doctors and nurses were terrific. A therapy dog came in. It was fun. A friend showed up and, and brought us food from a restaurant we love in town. And My parents were able to be up here just days after we'd celebrated my dad's birthday. The calls, text messages from all of you, uh, and it's a lot of you, a lot of you, were so encouraging. And as I wrote this post, I was sitting next to Parker on the couch in our living room. And he had his earbuds on, FaceTiming his friends, completely ignoring his parents, just like normal. And, and friends, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in that moment, that was enough. All I needed was him to just be Parker. Because for the rest of his life, he will navigate what it means to be Parker, who also has type 1 diabetes. But he didn't do anything to get it. We're not entirely sure we did anything. We're just existing in this environment. And the storm that I thought was starting a new business, I missed launch day. I was in a hospital room learning how to inject my own son with insulin, learning the two different kinds of insulin, learning how to do math and count carbs in a whole different way. I, I wasn't at the launch of my company. I emailed a client who needed things six weeks earlier in a hurry. I didn't tell her why I was being rushed, but he was sleeping and his blood sugar was good. We were tr still trying to figure out what his normal looks like. We actually still are today. But we were trying to bring him way down and I'm the parent who will stare at the monitor. It's probably not a, a positive thing. And so I, I, I rushed and sent everything I could to the client I don't think I paid attention to the order of the email or the, or the delivery, or if I said it correctly, or if I spoke in the seat of leadership and wisdom, I try to speak in as the CEO of a company. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to go back and read that email because it will probably make me mad at myself. But instead, within 24 hours, the client was like, oh, this is perfect. Well, wonder what I said. And you know, the company launched without me. It did. It did well. My, my partners, my friends nailed it, nailed it. And Spark went on. We met all our client obligations. Even that new meeting that was last night, Friday night, it happened. It was hard. I knew it would be, it was. <laughs> every bit as difficult as I thought it would be. And we got through it. The people who needed to let the conflicts they were dealing with out, they let them out. We made space for that. I actually had notes that I don't fully remember typing out, but I have notes. 
I got to watch basketball. I'm a huge basketball fan. I got to watch basketball with my kids and my wife. I say all that to say, sometimes mediocrity doesn't dissipate. And sometimes the things that we deal with aren't because we're accepting mediocrity, but they're just some mediocre things around us. And I can get up here and be very candid. I can get up here and be very blunt. I can get up here and really push the boundaries of PG 13, 14, whatever. And I know that. And I'll be honest with you, I don't care. It's not for show, it's how I talk. But sometimes the mediocre thing we cannot allow is our response to the serious. So this is what I would lob back to all of you. If you're in a storm, can you see it? I can promise you it's temporary. I can also promise you there's another one somewhere forming just off the coast of where you're at. And you might see it in the distance as it passes and it might blow your roof off. And there's a difference. And the thing that cannot be mediocre, friend, mom, dad, sibling, partner, husband, wife, employee, business partner, investor, owner. The thing that cannot be mediocre is me and you. Can we cry when our 13 year old finds out he's going to be sick? Yes. Yes, I can. Yes, I did. Full disclosure, I still can't watch The Lion King without crying. So I'm not saying like it was a really tough man having a breaking moment. No, no, I'm not a tough man. I'm a crier. But oh yeah, there's been tears. Mom, dad, and son. Grandparents, even little brother. Then there are unanswered questions and there are things we still have to learn. For those of you who know the diabetic world from finding out at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night that you have diabetes and this is what that means. My 13 year old got himself discharged from the hospital 18 hours later, which is faster than normal from what we understand. And here on a Saturday morning in about an hour and a half, me, him, and his mom are going to figure out how to put the monitor on him way earlier than they told us, like days, maybe weeks earlier than they told us he would have it because of how good of a job he's done self-injecting and measuring and monitoring and taking notes of where he's at. Such a proud dad in such a weird moment. But now he's going to have that little monitor on him 
so we won't have to do the finger pricks anymore. If you don't know the diabetic world, finger pricks just suck. <laughs> I think that's why they're called pricks. Um, that's kind of a funny joke. But I, I, will, I will say in the storm, it's not the umbrella that matters. It's not the storm that matters. It's the person holding it. And you should know, friend, there are storms where you need to seek shelter. There are storms where you need to hold umbrellas. There are storms where you have to hold someone else's umbrellas. And there are storms where the crazy people, the best of us, the people who just see the world a little different, know it's time to dance. And so that's what they do in that kind of rain. Now, I struggle to be one of those people. But this week, I was asked to hold the umbrella for everyone else. And I tried. And we did okay. And then when I needed someone to hold the umbrella for me, hundreds, hundreds of umbrella-wielding warriors showed up. Dr. Sean, you know I'm talking about you. Among a lot of others, but you know I'm talking about you. Friends, I'm so grateful for the people who held the umbrellas this week when I couldn't. See the storm that you're in. Recognize it's not your fault. Storms are a condition of the environment. Now, if the environment you're in has too many storms, wait for the storm to pass and then maybe, maybe look at moving, friend, whatever that means for you. But there will be storms in the new place too. And as you learn to deal with the storms and to know that sometimes you dance in the rain, sometimes you move yard equipment out of the way because of the wind with the rain, and sometimes you have to evacuate because that's not just rain. And sometimes storms come out of nowhere and you didn't have time to prepare. Whatever storm you're in, whenever you get to the next one, I sincerely hope there's somebody in your life that can hold the umbrella for you like there has been for me this week. That's what I've got, friends. Normally I like to wrap with like a really cool conclusion. And like, here's some five steps you need to do. I don't have five steps in me this week. I don't have four points in a poem. I don't have a really good way to sermonize the rest of the story because this storm's going to be around for a minute. And I'm not holding the umbrella. Somebody's holding it for me. So I'm going to throw it to you. You know how we do. I'm going to let you unmic. I'll try to keep it moderately ordered. And you just say what's on your heart. You can talk about your storms. You can talk about my storm. I gave it to you. So it's your story now too. 
Talk about whatever you're compelled to talk about, friends. Go ahead and unmic, and I'll try to keep it ordered. Annette? Hey, Annette, go for it. Hi, Brad. Do you mind if I play a song? You've been talking a lot about storms, and there's a really nice song in the UK called You'll Never Walk Alone, and I think you'll like it. Of course. Go ahead. Is it okay to play it? Is it two minutes? Go for it. Okay. Okay, that was on my heart to share with you. Thank you so much, Annette. I sincerely appreciate it. It was a beautiful song. I got like um, the most chill Fred Astaire vibes of all time. Um, thank you very much. Uh, Dora Maria, go for it, friend. Awesome. Thank you for being so vulnerable this morning, Brad. That was uh, really heart touching. And uh, it was just good to to hear a little bit more about your story, but also after <laughs> finding out what has happened. It was uh, interesting to see the details, but I wanted to provide the five points because you always provide those things. So one of the things that I can say is number one, get ready for that next storm, um, even as you work through the current one. Two is to hold that umbrella for another person. Three, opportunities for learning will always present themselves. 
And number four, keep that curiosity alive. And number five, to stay positive through it all. So I just wanted to give those five points so that you had them in your segment regardless. <laughs> and with that, back to you. That's that's so good. I want I want that in my life whenever I'm like talking to my team and someone's always like, Brad, what was that second thing you said? And I have no idea. That was so good. Thank you, sis. That's really, really good. Brad, I like this. All right, this is serious, I'd love to add a number six to what Dota Maria just gave us. Know that you'll never walk alone because you've already planted mm. the seeds of greatness that you needed to plant in, in this earth. And God is going to allow them to be watered and you will never, ever walk alone. This is mm. Yvette Searson. We love you, Brad. Yeah, thank you very much. I love you too, sis. Thank you for that. That's good. Good gosh. I think what I'm going to do from now on is I'm just going to ramble Ooh. for 40 <laughs> minutes. And then at the end of it, just let other people tell me the good, good things. Because we got you, That's boo. Dope. We got you. I, I appreciate you. I do. Justin, I see you, sir. B-Rad. Yeah, you shared one thing that I think really stood out for me. And it was when everything happened, you know, you, you literally stopped for the most important thing in your life. Right? You emailed that client, you know, the launch, everything else too. Like, the things are still going to happen. I got asked a question yesterday, um, and it, it lines up very well with what you're talking about. And it was a question of, if you could freeze a moment in time, what would that be? And what's the best thing that happened to you this week? And for context, I just closed a $2 million sale yesterday, set a record in my neighborhood, like game changer for this little pocket. But when I got asked that question, I had just picked up a brand new Ford Bronco, took the top off and took my daughter for a drive and my wife, and we were coming back from the beach and I looked at my rear view mirror and my daughter's hair was kind of going all over her face and her eyes were closed and I was like, oh, maybe she's scared. So I was going to turn around and check on her and then I realized she was just in joy because of the air and her hair and her face and it was a new experience for her because she was so elated. And without question, there's no comparison in that in my mind that that is the best thing that happened to me this week. What I want to freeze in time more than any money I could possibly make you know, moments are fleeting, right? And when you're there for your family, I respect that a lot. And I think you are a true wealthy man indeed, if you can recognize those moments. So I appreciate you, brother. Mm, thank you, brother. I, I here's the here's the important things I heard. Um, love your family. That's great. But really, really, you and I both own four Broncos. So <laughs> I think that's the most important takeaway. Um, you own a really precious one. I own a real one. It's from 1979. Um, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, we'll call it the same. No, I appreciate you, brother. I really sincerely do. Um, yeah, I think my moment in time from that worst, that worst of this week was, uh, in a hospital room when that word gets said, when my, my son is told he's diabetic and he, he looks over at us, you know, that there's that, that, that that's when it felt most torrential because he's in a bed, we're in a chair and he's looking at us for help. And I, you know, it's not there. The doctor walks out of the room for a minute and, you know, as parents, you stand up and kind of tears welling in his eyes. He's like, can I get out of the bed? We were like, yeah, dude, you can walk around, you need just an IV, whatever you need to do. And all he wanted was a hug. And it was like, golly. Like he gets the gravity of it. He does. But in the 
in the wisdom that that kid walks in, he just wanted a hug. He hasn't complained once. In fact, last night we were watching a basketball game after the meeting I really didn't want to be in ended. I got back to my family and we're sitting on the couch and he said, I'm really starting to feel so much better. I didn't realize I've been sick. Come on, 13 year olds. Anyway, yeah, that moment in time, brother, for sure, for sure. All right, who else wants to unmic? Can I share? I don't know who you are, but yes, you can. (laughs) This is Kim. So I had one of those moments this week too. Um, I live in Louisiana in a rural area and my kids are still here, which is why I'm still here. And I was walking on the highway, getting my walk, listening to the clubhouse. And my 27 year old, who's a firefighter, like blinks his lights, turns around and comes have his coffee with me in the driveway. Like, it, I get it. <laughs> like I'm saying the same thing. It's these little things, you know, having, having them so close by and being able to stop and have 30 minute chats in the driveway while my 38 year old daughter drives up and comes work out at the gym, you know? Yeah, you got me, <laughs> you got me going, Brad. Thank you for sharing. Great story. Um, I'm supporting you. I'll watch. I'll follow. I'll pray. Mm, thank you so much, Kim. I appreciate that. That's easily the least Louisiana sound I've ever heard in a voice. <laughs> um, there's, there's no way you're originally from Louisiana. Um, I agree. I need to see her license. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I, <laughs> yes. I was like. All right. All right. Show me your birth certificate or something because I don't know where you're from, but it ain't Louisiana. Um, are you from Louisiana, Kim? Yeah, I mean, right smack in the middle on the ankle of the boot between New Orleans and Shreveport. Yeah, for sure. Where exactly, Kim? Phaedrine. You're you're from the boot? Listen, I'm, I am, I'm from the boot, but I'm the ankle. I'm probably the most flexible thing here. Um, Uh, I'm three miles from Mamu Madura. That's right. Oh, Mamu. Mamu, Bill Platt, V Dream, very rural, 60 miles from a Starbucks, if that tells you. Cousin, don't be so hard on it, cousin. Please don't be so hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm in Miami with a 10X crew. Maybe their accents wearing off on me. (laughs) Yeah, I think what we've learned is that in the ankle of the boot in Louisiana, you're apparently from Western Europe. Right. I didn't know that. <laughs> that uh, part. Some, like, that I part. Didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know there was a part of Louisiana that was also like French or whatever that accent is. It's awesome, Kim. It's distinct. Just as someone from the South, I I didn't picture Louisiana, but okay. Um, I, 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 and I, I, and we love our kids, Brad. Right? Like the Southern yes, hospitality ma'am. and the I have five kids and twelve grandbabies. I got some work to do, man. I got to shake oh. these kids up and show them what's possible because mm. kind of oppressed here. Mm. So I got to rise above and be the example. I was leaving it up to the government and the schools and the college and their parents. And I'm like, no, 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 we're going to compete. I'm going to show them how to rise above you. You beat us. They're going to beat you. Well, I, you know, I guess in, in line with what we've been talking about this uh, morning, uh, you are, you are holding their umbrella and that's awesome. Um, I applaud you, Kim. And gosh, I love your, I love your voice wherever it is you're really from. Um, all right, we've got a couple minutes left. Anybody else want to jump in? Yes, Brad. This is Master Wasted. Um, I just wanted to touch base with you real quick. Uh, a lot of people in the chat are saying you're not alone and sending you a lot of love and support. And I just feel like just calling to talk to you and address what you said. And your story was really deep and enlightening and inspiring. And just for you to love and allow yourself to be vulnerable 
was, you know, it says a lot about you and your character. I just wanted to thank you so much. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in a cafe right now for the background noise. But uh, you're not alone, sir. Brad, God bless you. And no matter what it is you're going through, like you said, this storm too shall pass. And just like when it rains, the clouds is going to part and the sun is going to shine like never before. And I salute you. Shout out to everyone's successes out here and just stay positive. Stay positive, Brad. You know, God bless you and your family and stay strong. You know, stay strong. You, 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 you will pass. You, you will, you, you will make, you will overcome this challenge in your life, Brad. And, uh, I just wanted to say, thank you. This is master wasted and I am complete. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I, I would say uh, for those who are new to the breakfast table here in Breakfast with Champions, um, there are people who have modeled the way for those of us who later on in the life of Breakfast with Champions, I'm one of those who later on was granted the opportunity to use this stage and to talk um, and to speak and to, and to try to impart wisdom and encouragement to anyone. There are people who've been doing it here longer, and they have modeled the kind of vulnerability, uh, people like Dora Maria and Barbara Majeski, people, Renee Knorr, people like that, Sean Sapiro, TM Hyman, people who have been really, really good, obviously Glenn Lundy, of course, um, have been really, really exceptional at finding a way to craft their vulnerable moments and the realities of the challenges that they walk in into teachable moments that they can share with us, not exactly knowing where we're all at in this moment. Um, so it's not something that I, I have certainly created. Um, here in Breakfast with Champions, I come from a line of excellent people who are very, very good at that, who are very good at taking the hardships in life and the challenges of leadership and business development um, and turning them into catalysts for strangers which is dope. Um, that's just, that's awesome. What a, what a wonderful gift to be given. Uh, we've got time for maybe one more person to jump in. Hey, Brad, it's Victor. Hey buddy, go for it. Yeah. Um, so years ago I was uh, diagnosed with type two diabetes and I think I was shocked for like a minute when my doctor told me then Victor went right back to doing whatever. And then in 2018, and you'll see this on my bio, had a diabetic crisis almost died, uh, couldn't stand up, couldn't eat anything, couldn't drink water. Uh, after a couple days, I was told I had to drink a glass of water by the end of the night. It took me four hours to drink a cup of ice water. And you know, ice water takes up the space. It took me four hours to drink that ice water. But fast forward to the end of that hospital stay. Um, and you know, my doctor, gave me some instructions and I won't get into everything. Uh, all that's on my bio, but I, I'll say this. I ended up with type one, ended up using insulin. The, the shock of diabetes, the, the fear, the pain, the concern for my life didn't happen until I became type one and went through that diabetic crisis. But the other thing that happened for me was eating three meals a day, taking my medicine, going to the gym. I'm going to the gym now three to four days a week. But, uh, and I'll end with this. Uh, there's a book that a uh, great gentleman wrote, uh, Reggie Lewis. He was a, uh African-American guy that uh, wrote a book, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? And had uh, 
acquired Beatrice Foods through an IPO. One of the large, I think it was the largest IPO in history at the time. But the thing Reggie said, he ended up with brain cancer. And on his deathbed, he told his wife, if I could change anything, I would give it all up just to have my health and be with my family. So your story has enlightened me. Uh, thank you, Renee, for bringing me to the stage. But keep doing what you're doing, man. We're with you. I'm praying for you, for, for Parker. Loved a chance to get to know your family today. And, and I'm just grateful and thankful for what God is doing for you and Parker and your wife and family at this time. This is Victor, and I'm done speaking. Uh, Victor, thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate you. Um, I really do. I appreciate the the intimacy of your story. I do. I do want to say the single greatest book title I've ever heard is "Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun?" And this is not a joke. I just ordered it on Amazon. It's twenty four ninety five. No way, Brad. Hundred percent. Oh come on, man. That's the greatest book title I have ever heard. I can't it wait to read it. Why should white guys have all the fun? It is one of the most incredible oh. business books ever written. That's so good. It's what a great title. That um, it is. Oh my gosh. Wonderful. My friends, it's about a minute left. For those of you who'd still like to send me a note, please do my Instagram and Twitter and stuff. It's all, you know, just find it. It's not hard to find. There's not enough Brad Caldwell's in the world for me to be any lower than like maybe the, the, the 700th one on Google. So just Google and you just keep scrolling. You'll find the bald one. That's probably me. Thank you, everybody. I really appreciate the encouragement. You have held the umbrella for me this morning. So thank Brad. you. Hey, Brad. Yes. This is Alvin, man. I just wanted to say thank you for sharing this morning. We really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. Appreciate that, Alvin. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.